Manoj, good to spend a little time chatting about climate change as part of our first podcast in this series. Um, climate change, of course, has been very big on the news. Uh, we had Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old Swedish girl, being made Time Magazine's Person of the Year. A great accolade, actually, so young, I think the youngest. And uh, I guess a big thumbs up for what is really a growing climate change movement. Um, so in terms of the, the, the recognition, what, what was your take on it when you, when you saw it? So I thought it was a very authentic move. She has, Greta has left an indelible mark on so many of us. And when I listen to the simplicity and authenticity of her message, it's very clear. The politicians, the large corporations, governments, stakeholders should be doing a lot more to conserve this planet. And in her view, everyone is incredibly focused on their short-term gains, whether it's pumping up their balance sheet, their profit and loss statements. Words like sustainability have been used as buzzwords in, in order to push things through. However, there is also a reality check that has to come in. So whilst at the same time, I do see that, it, that climate change is real, it is a very pressing agenda and governments and stakeholders, corporations, individuals need to understand that climate change is real and it's here to stay. And therefore, there has to be an energy transition in place in order for us to achieve the goals that Greta is now amplifying globally. I'll get back to that, the, uh, the whole issue of the um, transition, if you like, because obviously this isn't going to happen overnight. But wh why do you think it's taken a 16-year-old girl to change the world in this way? Again, I think she has brought such a level of clarity <clears throat> that she's able to sift through all the noise. And Greta has just said, look, these are the main issues that are going to affect generations to come. Today, the world is at seven and a half billion people. By 2035, we are expecting to reach nine billion people. So the level of consumerism is just going one way and that's up. And if we do not cater and take into account some of the sustainability options that are out there, the world is going to become a very dark place. It's interesting how she does hold the, uh, the politicians and business leaders feet to the fire. Um, telling them, you know, pe people in this room are part of the problem. I love that when she just stood up and said that as she was getting her time award. Look, I think this is why it's incredible having someone who has started this journey at the age of 15 being recognized with such a phenomenal accolade at the age of 16 and not being worried about what she has to say. There is no filter. And I say this in a very nice way. This is one one person who does not need a filter, and it's well regarded. Now, it's interesting because some people say her ability to talk so directly is a result of her being uh, on, the, on the scale, as they say, or uh, having Asperger's syndrome, um, which makes her characteristics a little bit different. She can be more direct about things, and they say she, she's not affected by flattery. Um, and ironically, she's in a very noisy environment now because the, the world media attention is huge. Everywhere you see the, the massive... Um, lineup of photographers and yet ironically she doesn't like noise she's a person who tends to be quiet inside in that way so it's an ironic twist that uh, a young lady with Asperger's is, is there in the limelight and being very direct with people so I think one has to focus on 
the fact that her clarity and her level of focus is actually inspiring because she has brought to the surface an issue that some world leaders do not even believe exist. She's been able to highlight the fact that certain countries are, are what I would call climate criminals almost. And she's gone out there and said, you need to be doing more. This world is eroding fast and furious. And kudos to her because she's really been able to direct her message to everyone. There's not anyone that she has missed out. She's not playing favorites. She's not playing politics. It's just unadulterated focus. And that is a refreshing change in today's world. I was interested to read uh, how her movement, uh, basically co-opting children into the, into the debate, has had quite a big impact because children often drive their parents' uh, habits. And in the case of Greta, she's got her parents to stop flying. In fact, her mother, who's an opera singer, has had to put her career on hold or pretty much maybe end it because she can't do, but she, you know, do the kind of travel she needed to, but she's committed to it. Um, you have children and your, uh, your youngest, your daughter, is around the age of Greta. Um, how do you think, and I know you've spoken to her about this, your daughter about this, so how do you think um, she has been inspired by what Greta's been doing? So what's very interesting is that I'm seeing the current 16-year-old mindset is talking about or focusing on what is going to benefit the world and what kind of world are we leaving for future generations. If I look at history, if I go through the Industrial Revolution, it was post-war. It was about job creation, industry creation, wealth creation, which then led to an increase in technology creation, education. Today, we're, we are constantly learning. The world, is, the world is learning daily about our impact on the climate. If I look at every single industry, and what is amazing is that the 16-year-olds today actually talk about climate change. They talk about, are you vegan? Are you not vegan? What is your environmental or carbon footprint? Are you actually value accretive or value destructive to the environment? Which is a very different conversation that I had when, when I was 16. I never even thought about that. And I think today... It's amazing that today's youth is focusing on that. Interestingly enough, though, it's, um, they, they seem optimistic that there can be change. I think they're scared. Obviously, like Greta said, she's you know, worried there's no future left for her. But, but they, they're optimistic they can create change. How about as an adult, how do you feel about the real prospect of, of climate change being curbed? Do you, do you feel there's any real chance of making a long, long-term uh, turnaround for this planet so i look at the growth i look at the growth between of renewable energy versus fossil fuel power right certain countries have made that transition extremely fast but they've also been able to do it because they've been they've been blessed with an abundance of financial and human capital uh, resources Certain countries, and I take one specific country, South Africa, relies very heavily on coal-fired 
on coal powered coal fired power plants and unfortunately that transition to renewable energy is not going to happen overnight it's not just a tablet you take and suddenly you wake up in the morning and now you're a renewable energy uh, producer there are also significant jobs at stake which need to be reskilled upskilled and i think certain countries have done it extremely well i look at what's happened even here in the uae there has been a drive now for solar power yet at the same time they are building there is a nuclear power station here there is a coal-fired power station coming up but the growth and the focus of the uae government is on renewable energy it's a difficult balancing act though because essentially what we're saying is we still need to create damage before we can get to a place of no harm for this for this planet I don't think it's a question of, or I don't think it's a, I disagree with that slightly because at the end of the day, you have a certain amount of the current labor force or the current skill set that's focused on conventional fossil fuel energy. In order to transition into the renewable energy space, there has to be a orchestrated or a phased sequence. Now, some people could say, would say, look, it should be a it should be a sprint versus a marathon. Things take time. They don't happen overnight. And as long as we're all moving in the right direction with a level of alignment and most importantly, accountability with proper milestones in place, I don't think you'll have any issue. So many people uh, believe that it's the politicians that have failed to make uh, decisions, that have failed to take decisive action to make a difference. So Give me that, that, that balance you see that needs to be struck in terms of who's responsible, the responsibilities of those in charge, the leaders and politicians, the responsibility of big business, perhaps even small business and certainly individuals. What can we all as individuals uh, or how much should we carry the responsibility? So when I look at the growth of the fossil fuel world, I mean, some of the world's largest, most valuable corporations, according to their market capitalization, are fossil fuel companies, all right? Now, are we to blame them because they're sitting on a huge amount of natural resources that have powered, that have, that are effectively powering their entire economy? No, from that resource, they've been able to generate industry, trade, jobs, wealth, but then at the same time, you now have certain governments who are withdrawing from the Paris Agreement because they just don't believe that there is, that there is climate change. And that to me is a bit, of a, it's a bit of a shock to my system because there is clear proof that the world from an environmental point of view is going into a darker place. It's actually entering into a very dark phase. We need all the support we can get. And it's very refreshing to see someone like Michael Bloomberg making this a key issue. I, I don't think it's, and I don't think it's part of him, whether it's part of his um, political choice. It's his personal choice. He's decided to make climate change a personal issue. He's decided to fund the US gap into the, Paris Agreement, he's decided that this is going to be a serious issue that he wants to work with. And I am sure that many other world leaders will look to him and many other corporate leaders, 
successful entrepreneurs in the world, there are many of them who have taken on certain, what I call big, hairy, audacious goals to go out there and fix. And many of them are now looking at climate change. <laughs> I say big, hairy, audacious. I thought you were going to mention a certain president who's often seen that way. Um, no, so actually talking about President Trump, I mean, you know, a lot of people feel there's a lack of leadership. The, you know, the person who is in charge of the most powerful country in the world is failing to take on that responsibility. Um, what do you think that will do in terms of um, giving some credence to what Bloomberg uh, does, Michael Bloomberg does, that he's coming in and trying to show some leadership? Can he make a difference himself, someone like him? Look, he is definitely inspiring all of us to take a more middle ground to any issue that one has. Today, I was, I was very disappointed to see President Trump's reaction on Twitter to Greta. And Greta did the most elegant thing. I mean, and it was, he basically said she should get a life as a kid and go and do correct. things, normal things like that. And, and good for her because she actually threw light on the situation and just made me realize that, you know, at the end of the day, she has a very valid concern for the planet. Well, he made a childish comment and she had an adult response, which is ironic, saying, oh, I'm going to the movies with my friends and watching. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that is interesting. Um, there are some, though, you know, who say that Michael Bloomberg, instead of spending all that money, and he has a lot of it, um, in running for president and, and kind of putting it all into politics, could actually use that money to lobby uh, for change with existing politicians and, and create change by, um, by using that money in a different direction. So I think one thing that's very clear is that today's world leaders, whether they're political, business leaders, are they, they have a, they all want to leave a legacy. And in my view, Michael Bloomberg is already writing a phenomenal legacy for himself. He has made climate change a huge issue. And as I said, it's not, it's not his campaign it's his issue. And he's mentioning it to the entire world. I mean, you've had the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation focusing on, er on eradicating polio as one of the examples of one of the issues that they want to see. And it's nice to see people getting focused around one specific thing. Do I believe he's doing it the wrong way? No, I believe everyone has a, a different style. As long as he reaches the destination, which is to make the world more aware and have us start reversing our trend and improving our sustainability records globally, we, he, he will be doing the right thing and time will only tell. Now, it's interesting uh, that we, one thing that you know, uh, Greta's doing is obviously going by boat around and saying no one should fly. Probably, I think that's unrealistic with the, uh, the need for, for global connectivity, I think. But, you know, as a frequent flyer yourself, myself too, we're both kind of guilty. What, what are you doing to reduce your carbon footprint? So actually, that's a very, I mean, that's a very interesting conversation or an, or an interesting question. Will I be able to stop flying? I can't. I've got family all over the world. Our businesses are global. I consider ourselves, I consider myself a global citizen, as you do as well. Not realistic. Ideally, I can plan myself a little bit better in terms of my flying habits, but 
I don't think I could do something so drastic as to just stop flying. It would have to be a transition, whether I move closer to where my children are or move closer to where my, you know, uh, businesses are. But today the world is global and we are globally connected. And part of the global, part of the global connectivity is what I thrive on. Now, there are other factors, though, apart from flying. Obviously, there's how much we drive, whether we use alternative uh, fuel vehicles, and those are, those are coming up. I mean, some argue electric vehicles themselves are not enough because of the amount needed to create the, the, the power to power the charge the batteries and so on. Um, but, uh, for example, I, I, I gave up eating meat 23 years ago, red meat at least, and I'm pretty much cutting the rest of it out, I hope, by 2020. Um, and I think that uh, a lot of people are now being encouraged to do things like that. You know, think about the uh, impact on the planet through the agricultural policies we have. If we're raising cattle or if we're uh, eating meat and so on, that the impact is huge. What's your view on that? So I think it's, it's <clears throat> they always say it's a collection of pennies that, that makes a person a millionaire. So it's small steps. I've seen, we've now seen here in the UAE, for example, I saw that Dubai airports announced that they, they are, they're going to become a single-use plastic user within a certain... They'll ban single-use They plastics. will ban single-use plastics bags in a very short period of time. I mean, that's a huge step. Actually, it's great to see the response time here is very quick. It's Supermarket, very fast. Suddenly, it's not like, Correct. hey, maybe in five years we'll do this. I'm no. quite impressed, actually. And that's why I, th I think whilst there's a high level of consumption here in terms of power energy, they're immediately bringing on tools to counter that. And that's very refreshing to see, as you said, the, the implementation time is very quick. And I think actually it's, it's interesting that countries like the UAE um, uh, can, can be quite a, a leader in leapfrogging with the technology to try and cut the, the legacy of certain you know, power consuming habits that people have. I mean, charging points here as they build infrastructure, charging points for electric vehicles and development of solar panel fields and so on. Correct. I think it's, it's, got a, it's got a good opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Quick thought then, just really as we wrap things up. Um, how, what's your forecast, looking 10 years ahead, 2030, say, uh, on how the, the climate change picture might be? What's your real belief it will be? So there is, there, if I go back to the fossil fuel era, it's very clear that globally oil production and new investment in global exploration is slowing down. LNG production and consumption is actually increasing which is a very clean which is the cleanest source yeah. of fuel and it's seen as a transition fuel isn't correct. it correct so. but what is also happening is the investment in solar the investment in wind and thermal and tidal energy is definitely growing so i actually think the climate change focus that we're currently going on right now is the right path and the results will come in they're not going to happen overnight it's going to take some time. And I think in 10 years, if we're all as vocal as Greta is and we're, we're able to take her focus and implement it into our daily life, I think the world's going to be a much better place. And are we continuing in this right direction or is there going to be something that knocks us back? With today's world being based on the VUCA era of volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity, things change by the second. So I think we just have to be prepared to shift gears whenever we need to. All right, Manoj, nice talking with you. Uh, enjoyed our first podcast together. Thank you, Riz. All right.